0: Dead Headspace. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Ghana, and all other major platforms, including Alexa. All you have to do is tell Alexa to play Dead Headspace podcast for the latest episode every Monday and Thursday. I'm your host, Patrick Gar-McDonough, joined by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hey, everybody. And our guest host, Cassie Daly. Say hi, Cassie. Hello. And today we are talking to the author Haley Piper. Hi, Haley.
1: Hi, everyone. So, Haley, the first question I
2: want to ask you is what got you into horror? I feel like I've always been into horror um, ever since I was a little kid. And my dad brought home a movie that he thought was one thing on a blank VHS that turned out to be something else. (laughs) Um, He thought it was trolls. And it was uh, probably, I don't know if you've heard of this movie, The Unnameable, uh, based nope. on a Lovecraft story.
0: Mm, no. I mean... um,
2: it is very rated R. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it was before that, too, with Godzilla and stuff. But that was, like, the first taste of, like, oh, this is this is what movies can be. you <laughs> um, were just sold. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Like, well, I didn't sleep that night, but... Um, <laughs> You know, we and we didn't get to watch the whole movie because he, like, he went, he put it, he turned the tape on in the, V, you know, in the VCR. He went to go take a shower. He comes back, and we're just, my, my younger sister and I are just terrified. <laughs> um, So, yeah, I didn't see the rest of it until I was, like, 20, I think. <laughs> and it was terrible. Like, the, the whole movie was so schlocky, and I was like, how was I ever scared of this? But... <laughs> Yeah, and then just, like, um, always just anything with monsters. In fact, I refused to see stuff that didn't have, like, dinosaurs or monsters or things for a while. Um, which is not cool enough. <laughs> well, it's just wasn't that interesting. I mean, but, which is funny, because yeah. But just, like, in books, it was just, like, goosebumps was a big thing. Um, yeah, anything, honestly. Anything I could get my hands on. Um every anytime we'd go to the um video store or the the rental place, it would just be like I'd rent out the Universal Monster movies, the you know, as many like, you know, Harry Hausen films as I could get. Um just anything. Anything I could I, anything I'd get my hands on.
3: Do you have a favorite universal monster?
2: Oh, uh the creature from the black lagoon has always been my favorite, even when I was little. Um, that's funny. He's such a neat creature and he's not like any of the other things. He, he's just um you know, he doesn't come from a book or older folklore. I mean, unless you count mermaids with him, but um he's just he, he and he also is just kind of a tragic cuz he's just living his life out there. <laughs> That's My funny. I I would, I
3: would have gone with the same one um and almost for similar reasons. I like how, you know, out of if if you hold that up to Uh, you know, Frankenstein, Wolfman, and the lot, that seems like the one that saturates the market the least, that we know the least about, and for that reason, I find it intriguing.
2: Yeah, definitely.
3: What about you, Cassie? Do you have a favorite Universal monster?
1: Look, I'm really stereotypical, and the 16-year-old goth girl in me is very strong, (laughs) so I'm gonna have to say that Dracula is my favorite, especially, like, (laughs) Bela Lugosi, like, so good. My, like, I'm not going to get the numbers, but my name on, like, Blizzard for, like, playing WoW and stuff is Lugosi, just because I love him so
3: much. So, Patrick, we obviously want to know your favorite monster, too. Totally. Um, well, I like the
0: the original Wolfman. Um, it's just a fun movie. I enjoy those. I also, like, this doesn't really answer that question because I just answered it, but I'm also a big fan of uh Costello when they meet, you know, different universal monsters
3: i just like silly things i guess
2: (laughs) that's a fun movie though yeah
3: well before we completely leave the realm of you know what got you into horror you know you said you started out with with goosebumps but what were some of the first uh slightly older than goosebumps books that really caught your attention
2: i don't know if it counts but uh jurassic park um i was i was I got after the movie came out, I, my eighth birthday hit, and I got the novel and I started reading that. And then like Congo and the Andromeda Strain, I didn't understand the science in them. I just I just liked the stuff that was happening in them. Um, but then my mother was a big Dean Coons fan, and she had the books in her bedroom, and I looked at them. I didn't touch them because I knew I was supposed to read them until the point where I did touch them, and I picked up up Mr. Murder, and I just, I was reading Dean Kuntz at the same time I was reading Goosebumps, Um, and I just, there was no, um, there was no, like, difference to me, like, I just kind of expected horrible stuff to happen either way, but eventually I kind of stopped reading the Goosebumps books and just kind of was reading stuff like Intensity and things like that.
0: Were you into the Jurassic Park movie as well?
2: Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, I had the, I said, all this stuff was happening at the same time. It's just like I'm reading Goosebumps, I'm reading Dean Coons, I'm playing with Jurassic Park toys, um, <laughs> eagerly, eagerly anticipating the VHS for Jurassic Park because it stayed in theater so long. It took like a year or so for the VHS to come out.
0: I love that. I, I used to play with Jurassic Park toys all the time. Um, those Ninja Turtles and uh, Star Wars. Brendan, you you seem like you're kind of of the same. Actually, Cassie, I would be willing to bet that you you probably. I was gonna
1: say why not me? Me too. I had always. Yes. A lot of <laughs> I
0: always think that you're so much younger than me, but then I'm like, we're the same age. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I just assumed you know the and, worst. You know,
2: with the toys, they they stick around in the toy stores. I mean, like when um, aliens. Was 1986, but when I was like mid 90s, I was like 10, and they still they still had aliens toys in our local our local stores. Like we lived in a tiny town, if that stuff didn't get off the shelf. It just stayed on the shelf. So if I saved up enough money, I could get some weird looking thing that I didn't know what it was because I couldn't watch Alien yet. But.
0: <laughs> did Did you guys have a KB Toys? Is that a I, I really don't know if that's the national uh, toy
2: chain. Uh, a town over we were we were a bit too small of a town for that
0: because that was the store where i always found all the fun stuff all the you know all the actual figures you guys are talking about um brennan i'm not really sure how to segue from this man so why don't you know you, uh,
3: it, it has really nothing to do with anything we're talking about yeah. <laughs> um but i i actually worked in a kb toys when i was probably in my early 20s and it was just as much fun Walking around the store, straightening stuff in my early twenties, as it was in like at like ten or twelve years old. Um, Yeah, no, I mean it was it was a it was an awful job because there's customers, but you know other than that, um, the toys were wonderful. Now, question: Did you ever
0: fight over a toy, like a new toy, with a kid, like a customer, like that's mine?
3: Uh, No, that's that's a strange thing to ask somebody (laughs) in their their twenties. I'm afraid.
0: Very strange question. Um, is, is that oh. where
3: you're ending it there? Yeah, that's that, where I'm ending it. I'm sorry. I thought Brennan had more. My apologies. No, okay.
1: I have a question. So um, I feel like me in particular, so because of like the cast and everything, I'm really curious. And I feel like people who are listening to this would expect me to ask this question, Haley. But <laughs> do you are there any specific Goosebump books that stand out to you as like really, really good? Or um, even like if you read like those point horror things or just anything that you remember from like YA books that you really liked
2: that were horror See, I thought you were about to ask if I'd read any Pike books and I'd unfortunately have to say no. Um, <laughs> That's okay. There's
1: always time. And if you uh, ever want to come hang out with us, um, you're welcome to <laughs> just a random plug for myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's okay. That's okay. You're friends. You're friends with us. So. Yeah,
2: Let's see. Um, I haven't read them since I was 10. I don't think I remember that the first one Um I can't remember the name. Welcome to Dead House, I think it might have been called. Yeah. Oh, that was the only one that really scared me, was the first one. Um, but I liked uh, The Haunted Mask was really good. They did like TV Ma- or movie
1: adaptations of some of them too.
2: Yeah, I didn't really watch the show. At that point, I kind of like I was the T V was kind of usually changed to like playing Nintendo at that point. That's fair. <laughs> um oh, there was one uh a lot of it's mostly early ones because i kind of only got to a certain point before i stopped reading them but like monster blood um yeah was that one was i liked really also it's I can big of.
1: did you um so you mentioned nintendo are there do you play like current video games like are there some horror video games that you like or did it kind of stop with like nintendo stuff early
2: on um i haven't been playing games as much lately um just as in like the last few months um but, yeah, there are horror games of, like, I mean, Resident Evil was kind of the deciding point between whether I wanted a Nintendo 64 or a PlayStation <laughs> um, mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, I, played, I played, like, Silent Hill, too. Um, I can, I know some people would argue. I, I consider, like, Bloodborne and Dark Souls to be horror games. Yeah. Um, they definitely make me freak out. <laughs> They're hard, <too>. uh, <laughs> Bioshock, that kind of
1: stuff. We love Bioshock here. Well, Brennan doesn't play a lot of video games, but Pat does. <laughs>
3: Brennan doesn't know what a Bioshock is. But, <laughs> oh. well, it deserves
0: all the attention in film adaptations or HBO, because that is just I, amazing.
2: I don't think they do a good job, honestly. <laughs> um, I, I think I think so much of what makes the um, the subtext and the um, narrative strength of mm-hmm. The first Bioshock um, is really the fact that you are the player. Um, I think this. I think Infinite uh, Bioshock Infinite is it Infinite or Infinity? That one would probably make a decent movie.
3: You I are think, but I don't. Too. I
2: can't imagine they would do a good job with the first one though. I feel like they would be pretty though, even if it was bad. Like That's it would be true. so <laughs> Absolutely,
0: definitely. <laughs> I, I, I've I changed my mind thanks to you, Haley. Holy crap, <laughs> I've never
2: thought of that. I, no, without, I don't want to spoil stuff for the game, but it's just, it's so, like, if you know the story, it's so integral that you are playing it. Yeah. Like, it says so much about being somebody who plays video games.
0: That's a good point. Now, can we move on to books or YouTube? <laughs> Cassie. Uh, not ready yet.
1: <laughs> no, I'm
0: good. I'm good. Because <laughs> I'm really, I just want to jump straight to the worm and his kings. And we can talk about all the other books after.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. I'll take that as a go ahead and shut go up. Go
2: ahead, Pat. Pat. Go ahead. You're good.
0: <laughs> all right. Absence so of
2: argument move forward. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: to sum it up, Holy shit! You made a cosmic horror, and this is what basically I'm paraphrasing myself. I said to Cassie and Brennan after I finished, it, I said she wrote a cosmic horror, and said this is my subgenre now. Like you just nailed it, and it was particularly the last few pages. Not to say, not to take anything away from the entire book. It's all very, it's a good book, but the last few pages, you you just that that's what cosmic horror is it's just like holy shit we we, we don't matter <laughs> maybe i got that completely wrong um, I'm, I'm
2: hoping that's not all that i'm saying there but um <laughs> no, no 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 yeah no there's
0: without a lot to it. i i don't want to spoil anything that's why i'm just trying to keep it vague. yeah
2: it's it's a hard book to talk about because, and i've said this i've said this to people before i don't really i like end revelations and you know obviously like conclusion of events that i like to i like middle i like earlier twists if there's going to be a twist in situations i want it to be earlier in the book so you can see the ramifications i'm not not a huge fan of twist and at least in my work doing a twist ending
0: that i is want interesting. there to
2: be time for i want there to be time for consequences
0: yeah you know what that's really that's a good point to see how the characters would react well you did a good job with that um yeah so just to just to clear the air with my comment about the ending uh i don't want to ruin it it's not even out yet
2: so that's pretty yeah i really want to avoid getting into too much stuff yeah Uh, so i'm
0: not sure where we i'm sorry (laughs) to say this i'm not sure where we take it from there but Brennan and Cassie, uh, one of you have to save me right now. So, I mean, actually, so,
3: hey, oh, oh we'll no, Cassie, go, it, go, go right on ahead. No.
1: <laughs> 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 We're both like, you're in distress, here we are. <laughs> right. I got um, the Cassie, SOS if it's cool, sign.
3: I'll, if it's cool, I'll jump in. So, yeah. uh, Haley, you, you are absolutely right. It is so hard to describe um, a novella, especially one around that 114 page mark without giving anything away that's kind of integral and is going to make, you know, for the reader's experience. And, you know, as we're recording this, it is the day before Halloween. The book hits, hits in a little over two weeks. So I'm going to kind of put this at your doorstep. I wonder if you could give us a spoiler-free synopsis.
2: Yeah, Um. I mean, it's, I, I think that the chiefly what's going on is the... <laughs> it is hard. Um, <laughs> It, you know, the funny thing is, it's it's um it's it's not too much different in in length than Benny Rose. It's just um it's just adjusted a little differently. But Benny Rose is a little easier to describe because you you've got that whole second act where I mean things happen within it and stuff develops. But if you say it's it's you know the girls are running from Benny, then that's you know you, without spoiling anything, you're you're telling somebody what's going on in the book. This one's a little harder because Monique encounters something new pretty much every chapter. Um, It's uh, 1990 New York. Um, Monique is a a young homeless woman who's looking for her girlfriend Donna who's been missing for three months. And her trail is following rumors of what's essentially an urban legend um, that's been kidnapping uh, women off the street. and so her trail takes her underground and into essentially this underworld of that nobody on the surface knows about where there's a uh a cult that worships a um uh how you spell, a, a god of sorts um and just she's not the only one who's looking for somebody and there's a lot of There's interesting characters and things and creatures, and um, she's just trying to find the woman she loves. I don't know if I did. I don't even know if I did a good job describing what's going on with the book.
3: You know, I thought I thought you did an excellent job. I just I don't like to be the one who does it because I don't know what, you know, an author would draw the line at as this is a spoiler versus this is just kind of what you can know going in uh just so you kind of you know what you're walking into basically
2: yeah i mean Cassia. i don't think it's like spoilers up to like the end of chapter five probably i mean or four i guess i don't have a i don't honestly have a physical copy in uh, on hand, so i can't be like oh this chapter yeah okay that's you draw the line <laughs> <laughs> um so what
1: i without saying anything that spoils it what i really liked about this is that um I personally don't read or watch a lot of what's considered cosmic horror. Um, and it's not just because I don't like it. It's just I don't – I don't know. I don't – I just haven't. <laughs> like, I don't know. I tend to go more toward, like, slashers and, like, hauntings and things like that. Um, so when I got this and when I was, like – when I saw that it was posted to get, like, a, an advanced copy of it, I saw that it was your name, obviously. And I was like, yes, sign me up for this. I want it. I don't <laughs> even care. I'm just so excited. And then – you know, I read the back and I was like, okay, this sounds really cool. And then I read it. And like, after I finished it, I was like, holy crap, like this is so much more like, than even the back says. So that's why I I totally understand where you're like, I don't know how to give this a really easy summary, because there's just so much in it that happens. And it's, I think it's really cool that without saying anything um, that you didn't already say you, you manage to portray characters in different situations in different positions in life that I don't think are regularly portrayed in books and media and things like that um, and I really appreciated that I'm, I'm not just that you know Mo- Monique was a homeless woman but you know just the other things to it and I really really liked that and I liked how much I felt like I grew with her as the book went on even though it's so short so I just I loved it so much everybody should read it when it comes
2: out and please buy it <laughs> thank you um, yeah on on the subject of character position I if you look at the classic use that word um, like older, older cosmic horror stories, a lot of the characters would be, um, there's a, there's a character Abraham mentioned, uh, early in the Worminous Kings. And that would be kind of what you usually have as the protagonist of the very new, the, the older, older cosmic horror stories. Um, and I, it, it, I didn't want to go that route. Um, I, I didn't want to look at things through that lens. hmm Um, I wanted to be someone who's coming into this and is like, I don't know what the hell this is.
1: Yeah. It was like a very unique perspective. I think that I haven't read before. And I, I think a lot of people who are more experienced in the genre will also not have read or, you know, seen before.
0: I didn't know how to word uh, what you just said, Cassie, without giving things away. So (laughs) I appreciate you saying that. And then to to echo what Cassie said, uh, I appreciate the perspective too, because I don't, I haven't read that before, and I, I just, I was like, wow, I want more of this, um, more by you, more by other authors would be really awesome to get more of that.
1: We're just throwing a bunch of compliments. They're yes. not yes. even really questions. At them.
3: I know. I, <laughs>
1: Just how many yeah, so times can I, I say thank you?
3: <laughs> I, I'm going to pile one more on and then I have an actual question. But, um, <laughs> I, I kind of liked I, um the idea, you know, we talked about how, you know, Monique is experiencing all of this um, and kind of just as bewildered by it as the reader is. And I like that it, um, it, she was very she slash we were very eased into it. It wasn't like, you know, she hit a certain level in the tunnel and boom, she's in Pan's Labyrinth. It was, you know, one little thing off at a time. And, you know, eventually we end up with all uh, with, with a fair bit of. I'm going to go with, I guess, otherworldly stuff. And, you know, it doesn't just all come crashing down on us. It it all makes sense the way that the elements are introduced. Um, so my question is, that out, of, out of all the stuff I've read by you, the uh, novellas, the short stories, this is the first thing I've read by you that would fall into that, uh, you know, cosmic genre label. And I would definitely echo Patrick saying it definitely, it fits that bill very nicely. Um, so is this your first foray writing in cosmic or just the first one that I'm seeing?
2: It's the first one you're seeing, but I'll have, I haven't done much of that um, in an article I wrote last year. I, I kind of mentioned that I wasn't really engaging with it that much uh, as a writer. I love reading it. Um, uh, not not necessarily like as far back as, as some people are big fans of. Um, it's more recent uh, authors like Caitlin Kiernan, um, Brian Hodge, and, um, there are so many, honestly, I should have written a list, but, um, but I do love reading it. Um, I just, I haven't, haven't really engaged much in writing it, but I had, um, I had tried this as a short story first and it didn't work. It was, um, it was different characters with the same lore and it just, um, it didn't feel right. It wasn't the right approach. And I even, was looking as like with the same ending in mind. And then I got to not even, not very far. I got to about a third of the way through writing the novella. And I was like, that's not how things would go for Monique. That's different. Um, but my first, um, I think, and I've written a lot of short stories. So if I'm wrong, forgive me. Um, I believe my first one was a short, there was a flash flashback. Um, there is an old lady who swallows the stars. Um, in uh, anthology, Me on Horror, which is uh, um, all LGBTQIA creators. Um, I believe that's that, and then The Worm and His Kings. And I may have written something else since then, um, another short story, but I'm, I don't have a list in front of me.
0: You know, speaking of your short stories, uh, this actually is probably my best segue of the night, but... <laughs> Uh, Worst Laid Plans, that was edited by Samantha Koyeznik. Um, I liked your story, and it was just a fun read. And I'm wondering, did you both start talking about this book at that point? Or when did you and Sam start talking about it?
2: Um, At what point do you mean? Um...
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Um, So... I guess I could have worded it a lot better. When did you and Sam? <laughs> when did you and Sam start talking about this book? Was it the open call or, or?
2: Yeah, I um, I submitted it during the open call in April.
0: Okay.
2: Um, so I, I don't remember the exact chronology of things. I' I'm trying to remember. Like March feels like an eternity ago. um i i think march was the open call for worst aid plans if i'm not mistaken um and yeah i think april 1st was or mid-april was the deadline for eight worst aid plans i i sent in hold on let me get my bearings straight yeah i um yeah march was the open call for that so i submitted on kindly girls during that time and then during april i submitted force uh Worminous Kings to the open call for Off-Limits Press um, yeah in July uh, July we made the announcement um, so I don't remember whether Unkindly Girls was announced as part of Worst Life Plans before I submitted Worminous Kings or after um, it's just it's kind of fuzzy at that point there was a lot going on in April and May as you guys probably remember
1: this has been a year.
2: <laughs> it's really, yeah. really oh my God.
3: As a follow-up to that, um, how has working with Off Limits been, Haley?
2: It's been wonderful. Um, Sam has been really um communicative and supportive. We've we've um had, you know, the same ideas with how we want to approach things. Um Sam has just been fantastic.
3: And I feel like the um uh the cover, I know that she was big on commissioning covers and getting the author's input on it. I feel like the cover that uh, was it. CV hunt that did that.
2: Yes. Um, yeah, we had a different, we had a different um, situation. Cause I know, I think when Laurel Hightower had crossroads, uh, when they were going through the cover art, it was kind of like, you know, look at this, look at this, look at this. I think Sam had a more immediate idea of what, the Warminus Kings cover should be because she kind of just uh she sent it to me and I was just like, Oh my god, it's perfect.
0: <laughs> it is very appropriate for the book. That's I, I love it. Um yeah, god, I want to say why I love it, but I'm gonna feel like I'm <laughs> ruining it. <laughs> Will you stop? Just <laughs>
2: quit trying to spoil it. Just just think, end with I want people to read this.
0: <laughs> someone mute Pat.
2: I think it I think it embodies it without it doesn't have to get into the depths of it to really um to really describe because because if you look at the cover it, it is what the book is you know if that right. if that silhouette is Monique um just in looking down into the tunnel and just it is pure blackness there it's like there's it's completely unknown um there's just and that's that's what the book is like you don't know where she's going at each step um, as she meets, you know, more new characters and situations that each chapter, um, I, I think the editor, uh, Carmen Wells, who described as a, almost a, a, um, a Wonderland type of situation, um, just, you know, in a cosmic horror way. Um, and one of the things that was important to me is that um, in chapter two, you know, she comes up briefly from the subway and she's at the building and she's looking down and there's this sense that you know she got a lucky break if she goes down again she she's not going to come back up and each each new turn is is descending um the next step they find going down the next steps after that going down like each step is just going deeper and deeper she you know there isn't there isn't an ascension so i, I that's so I probably went way too far with that but the cover, that's, that's what the cover I think says to me at least no, that I is like
0: that. yeah I didn't even think of the correlation with Alice in Wonderland which I'm a huge fan of and that makes complete sense um, I, but I don't know if anyone's going to ask this so I just got to ask uh, the two blurbs by A.C. Wise and Mary San Giovanni how did that come about because that, that's awesome That uh, it's really killer that those two are the ones that blurbed your book
2: I'm enormously appreciative of both of them for taking the time to do that because I know both of them are extremely busy. Sam had asked Mary, and I asked AC Weiss. Um, we both knew we each knew the person we were talking to. Um, oh, okay. I don't know if it's any more complicated than that. We just we didn't feel like we needed a slew of of uh of blurbs. Um, so that made it a lot simpler.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's,
2: unfortunately, it's not really complicated or interesting story there.
0: No, <laughs> that's fine. Um, the two's, you know, plenty, and they're both for anyone that reads a lot. They should know those two names. <laughs> it's really yeah. awesome. Now, for "Worst Laid Plans" was that was the first time you've worked with Sam in any capacity, uh, capacity wasn't it?
2: Yes. Um. Now that you've said that. That does jog my memory a little bit about the timeline. I believe that we had already been working on four safe plans by the time that I submitted to the open call for Off Limits because, um, not to dig up drama from earlier this year, uh, at least for me, but um, a publisher that I was going to publish a novel with, that I'm no longer publishing a novel with. um, with that being a situation, I kind of was a little hesitant to I didn't want to approach people I haven't really worked with, at least mm. at the moment, um, in some capacity. So once Sam and I were working together on board slave plans, I was like, OK, she's you know, she's good. She knows she knows what she's doing, you know, and not and like we'd already we talked a little over social media, but like I needed to see where the editing phase of that was and it's like okay she understands this stuff because I've worked not to name names a long time these aren't anybody any of us know but just there have been a couple places where it's just like they tried to turn my story into a YA story <laughs> um I, I don't what I don't write YA and the story had this ghost that was like it, it was these guys wanted to have sex with this ghost and it was just like you how are you going to turn this into a YA story (laughs) um so that didn't happen but I'm always kind of wary but especially with what happened with that other publisher earlier this year I was very concerned about stuff and I just wanted to know what I was getting into it's like okay so she she's good and like I didn't even know to what extent like Sam has been incredible so just um, if anyone's listening to that, you know, who, who's listening to this um, and is thinking about submitting to the anthology call that I think closes in a day. <laughs> it's just a little late to start writing a story, but um, or the um, open call for, that starts the, the release date for the Worminous Kings, um, definitely Off Limits Press is a good place to go. I've heard it's, nothing a spectacular
0: place to go I should say yeah I've heard nothing but amazing things with Sam I've I've been talking to her since I first saw her cover uh, with um, true for true crime and she's just for me anyway she came on left field and she is kicking ass in every way uh, writer uh, as a editor and as a publisher yeah. um, I, I don't even uh no to expect with the upcoming book novellas but um I'm excited for them I mean you and Laurel are the first two to come out of her press and and it seems like a press that's gonna be around for a while you know for
2: she's definitely she she she's putting all of the attention that it needs um there definitely I've seen presses kind of come and go over the last couple of years because the 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 person the people in charge kind of thought it was going to be easy and uh, i mean i guess i guess on the outside sometimes it may seem that way but it's not and it's just she has incredible dedication
0: yeah it's very clear that her heart's in this and that's what's important she'll fight for her authors and she picks very wisely um i mean carmen did a really good job um I don't know much about her, but, I mean, her work was stellar. Uh, Cassie and Brennan, you got anything else on this particular topic that you would like to jump in on?
1: Wait, on the topic of the book in general, or?
0: I, I, It's just a vague question. I don't oh. know what where you guys are. He just wants it. us to
3: help him.
1: Okay, no, so well, I do kind of have a question, so I'm not sure actually if— I don't know if this is even a good question or if it's easy to answer or what. But um, so when I was reading The Warm and Kings, I read it actually. So I try to wait if I'm doing a podcast to read it right before. So I read it earlier today. Um, and when I finished it, obviously, I've read the other books that you've put out too, the other novellas. And it it's it felt so different to me. And like, it, I, I don't know. I don't want to say different because I could tell that it was you writing it. Like you have this voice that I can see in all of these books. But at the same time, it was also maybe kind of like more lyrical um, or like it just – it it was so pretty and there were so many lines in it that just sounded really, really pretty. Um so my question <laughs> um is there something different that went into the process, or was your process for this one like different or was it more complicated, or did you just do the same thing for all of them? And this one to me just sounds different. <laughs> um
2: hmm. I know I'm great that's at wording good, things that just is like good, that. No, that's a good question. I'm not sure it's <laughs> um it definitely <laughs> It definitely took longer than other things. Um, I was surprised at, for for how it's not very much different from Benny Rose in length, but it is in how long it took to write. Benny Rose, I wrote the rough draft in about five days, and oh, okay. uh, did all the editing and revisions over the next twelve days. Oh my gosh! Um, that one Damn. really just but that one just snapped together. This took months. Um, and I'm, I'm, I have points where I brought it to my wife, Jay, and she, she told me this is good. This is bad. This is good. This is bad. And (laughs) I would just take it back to the drawing board and, and just go at it again and it again. This one fought me is what I guess the best way I can put it. And I think that, that, um, if anything beautiful came of it is because I challenged myself with this one. I, I find cosmic horror hard to, to approach. Um, when I read it, I'm always stunned by the imagination of the writers. And so this was, this was hard. And, um, but I, I think that was good because I don't really, I kind of look to, to other, some, some horror writers, they have a, they have a thing if that makes sense like they have a they have a subgenre or two that they are like glued to like if you if you want to if you say like if somebody's like hey what's no, backwards if somebody says that writer's name you know like okay i'm gonna get this kind of thing and this kind of thing mm-hmm. um i don't know what mine is for that i just kind of wanted to hit each i just want to keep trying out the different subgenres um so you know with T-Pong that was like um you know possessions exorcism story Invitation to Darkness with Gothic um Benny Rose was a you know a slasher this is Cosmic Horror and then um next year Rooster Republic will be putting out my body horror novel I don't know where I'm going from there exactly um but it's just like I just I want to keep diving into different things and that means not staying in a comfort zone because if I just wanted to stay in the comfort zone, I could just keep writing stuff like Benny Rose, where it's a coming of age thing, because I love coming of age horror. Um, I love it so much, but sometimes you just don't feel like writing teenagers. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I answered your question, really. I think um, I think it really just was because in in knowing that this is not my wheelhouse, I had to I had to fight it a bit and it fought me. And this is what came out of that.
1: I mean, I think that's pretty cool, though. And it does answer my question. And I I think it's neat that with each one, it's like something different. So you're keeping people like your readers, even the people who, like me, are huge fans and will buy anything on our toes, like, because <laughs> we're like, I don't know what to expect. You can tell me this is cosmic horror, but it's specific Haley Piper cosmic horror. So it's still going to be something different and unique to other things that we would be reading, you know. Um, And I like that. And I like that it's unique for you too. So it's not just a new thing for us. It's each one for you is like, oh, I'm trying something out and let's see how this goes. And yeah. I mean, speaking for myself, I think you're nailing it. So
2: congratulations, because everyone Thanks. that I read has been great. I'm hoping that I can keep approaching new things. And even if there's something that's hard for me, keep, um, pre- you know, presenting something different, presenting a different perspective on it. Um, especially like as I'm writing short fiction, you know, you, you kind of have to be willing to just jump at things when, you, when you're doing a lot of short fiction. Um, but there's something so like, okay, well, I want to challenge myself, but like, sometimes you have to recognize you're not ready for that um, particular, ch- like, what's a good example? I just finished Mongrels by Stephen Graham Jones this week. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, let's say I wanted to write a werewolf book, I wouldn't know how to follow that up um that knocked it out of the park so I don't know what the word is um completely that I'm just like yeah I maybe I'd like to approach werewolves someday but I don't know what to do so I'm not going to do that right now
1: I like that too because it's like you liked it so much and it was so well done that you're like I want to do this but I I know I don't know how but it's so cool oh, like
2: I really want this I was just stunned I just yeah i was just like okay one day but no, like you just just take just take your crown, just keep it. For
1: now. <laughs> I'm gonna keep my eye out in the future for a werewolf novel. You.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that kind of just shows how good of a writer you are, though, because you you just said something that's very important for any new listeners that are also new writers. Go out of your comfort zone. You know, do whatever research you have to, too, if if it's a new subject that you get to figure a few things out, but. I mean, you nailed it. You did a good job.
2: Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that people who are like longtime readers of Cosmic Horror will find something new. I was it was gratifying to see it on that um that list. I'm um, gonna I mean, sound so bad I'm not knowing what the website was off the top of my head. I got nervous. Um, <laughs> There've been there were a couple of lists where it's gotten put up there as um as cause and car to to check out uh, alongside books that I I've enjoyed like the Ballad of Black Tom and I'm just like oh my god <laughs> so it's been it's been gratifying
3: I saw at least one list that probably you reposted um. And unfortunately I can't think of, uh, you know, what, what, uh, publication so put bad. out the list it's either. So <laughs>
1: bad. But thank you to the
2: publication. yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. <laughs> my, my lack of being able to remember is not, is not due to being ungrateful for that. It's just because it's, uh, because it's been a week. Yeah. It's been a year, honestly, there's a lot
3: in oh, our heads. <laughs> yeah. It's- so Haley, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, your short fiction, um specifically something i've seen you talk about a few times is a really positive spin on submitting and you know seeing some pieces go through and some pieces get kicked back you talk about collecting rejections i wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that
2: oh sure i love talking about that
3: (laughs) Um,
2: but um yeah i have just a i have a different philosophy with rejections than um is usually what I'm presented with um I think a lot of people I like I can't guess what's in somebody's head I can only go by what they're saying but what is being presented is kind of this adversarial um relationship or in, in different ways um sometimes it's that looking at the rejection as being a rejection it's not just a rejection of the story it's a rejection of you and that's just not the case but also just when somebody's when i say like yeah i take rejection as part of the process and people like yeah sometimes you just got to shrug it off and it's like no that's not what i mean i mean you need to accept your rejection um because it is just going to happen we and uh and unless a sub call goes very badly, it, it can't, they can't take everything, including all the things they love. Um, i definitely had that as, as per, when, on the rare occasion that they're able, they have the time to do personal feedback. It's just like, we like this. We just, we can't take everything. It's just, it's just the truth of it. But um, even regardless of that, though, I think that it is a, it is a matter of looking at as a cycle you're going to get acceptances, you're going to get rejections. They come hand in hand. Um, and that's why it's so important to just go forward with it because your, your rejections are going to have to outnumber your acceptances. It's just it's just a simple fact of, of numbers. And so when I look at them as that way, it doesn't become an advers- it doesn't stay an adversarial relationship. it becomes a goal. Um, I, my, I have to get hundred rejections a year. I have to, that is the goal. I get acceptances along the way, but, um, I have to get those rejections. Um, Holy
0: shit. That's a lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm almost there this year. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting nervous cause it's getting late in the year. So I'm going to keep, I'm, but right now I've, I've written two books this year. And, um, so right now I'm devoting the rest of the year to short fiction. So we'll see what happens. Nice. Um but um yeah that's how I look at it and I think Cassie really worded it perfectly after I was mentioned the last time I mentioned it on Twitter because she said it kind of turns the rejection stuff into a game and mm-hmm. I was like that's a perfect attitude to look at because you don't always win a game And like we don't play games to just to always win. That's not the purpose. Now, obviously, there's more to it than that. But the numbers element of it does kind of become that way. And I think that's the healthiest way to look at it, in in my opinion.
1: I think so, too. And it it, like me personally, when you told me that for the first time, I remember because so for anybody who doesn't know, I've gone to Haley like a million times asking for advice and asking questions on how like everything from how books work to how publishing works to like anything. And she's been so nice and so like helpful and given advice and just answered everything like very graciously. Um, And that was one of the pieces of advice that she gave me was the thing about the rejections and how if you're aiming for them, then they can't really hurt you. And that like that was the single best advice I've gotten regarding submitting to places. And that is the reason that like I've decided to do it and that I've been brave enough to do it and risk the rejections because I gotta get them. Everybody gets them. Like it's gonna happen. But maybe there will be some good things. And then if not, hey, I've re- I, like I've reached a rejection goal, so there's a good thing. i made
2: a good thing for myself out of the bad things. <laughs> absolutely, how I look at it is is absolutely right. If if I had, if I didn't apply that way, I would have never gotten my first acceptance, and I wouldn't have sold all the stories after that or any of the books after that i just wouldn't have tried so i i really think it's i i think the healthiest thing to do is to adjust that mindset and just look at it as like this is this is a good thing because it means that i'm trying
0: yeah no that that definitely is uh, a good thing doesn't matter how good you are uh, i've heard from quite a few writers that even stephen king he gets more rejections than we would know about. They don't accept everything he writes because he's Stephen King. So, you know, if the top writers are getting rejected, we're going to get rejected easily. (coughs) Nothing else, Matt. No, that's okay. all I had. I don't know all why right. I keep leaving us on cliffhangers. <laughs> I, I apologize.
3: Sorry okay. for being so
0: droning that I just kill the room.
3: <laughs> so, so Haley, on the same topic, um, I kind of wanted to talk about. I, I feel, you know, you 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 said you have to submit, you know, a certain uh quota so that you hit that rejections a hundred a year, which is a which is a wild number, by the way. Um, but it it seems like maybe you've had trouble with that this year because your stuff keeps getting in like absolutely everywhere. Um it, it's funny because I keep every once in a while I'll see like, you know, an anthology that I've never heard of, and you're announcing a story in it, and then it just gets dogpiled by like um all these other uh authors, and it's it's almost like you're a trendsetter. Um <laughs> but I wanted to talk about how prolific you are in short fiction and i wanted to kind of ask what your process is how often and how you know basically on average how long it takes you to churn out a story um and i was really uh taken aback by the fact that you knocked out the first draft of benny rose in like five days now i'm very interested to hear how long (laughs) story takes you on average
2: but that's like that was such an anomaly. And like I, I was on inkeist earlier this year, and I kept accidentally referring to writing Benny Rose as easy. And the thing is like saying like, okay, I wrote the rough draft in five days. That doesn't account for the eight months of struggling to get this concept to work. Um, mm. You know, I notes and things that happened before that. Like I could not I had I had the idea before. I was just trying to think, like, oh, might have been longer than eight months. It was a while, but it, it was, um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't take into account all of that. Um, I don't know what the right analogy would be, but just kind of like all the all the learning that was done through writing those other short, those short stories before then. All the notes that were just like, oh, this is stupid. Oh, this isn't going to work. How do I do this? And then um, when the Rewinder died call went out, like something about the description of what kind of stories they were looking for clicked, and I was just like, "Oh, set it in the 80s." And it wasn't like that was enough to solve all the problems, but it, it unlocked my brain so I could figure out the rest. And I just set off, hit the ground running, and just just went through it. Um, it honestly, as far as I can't really say that each story takes the same amount of time. Um, One story that was announced recently, um, it took me about four hours um, total from, from doing the rough draft to doing the final uh, revisions. Um, (laughs) But another story that was recently sold, it took me five weeks. Um, and that's not because of their length difference. It's because of just uh, how much of a challenge was the um, type of story. Um, how new was some of the material for me? How um, What was the tone? Because if it's a certain kind of tone, it may take me a little longer to work at or try to perfect. Um, it can depend on character voice. Um, you know, one of my most popular short stories is Feast for Small Pieces that took me an afternoon. Um, but I've had ones, but unkindly girls for worst laid plans that took me three weeks. Um, it's those stories aren't that different in length, but it's just a matter of the kind of material, um, piece for small pieces began as, as a rant that my my wife then told me go write that down right now. <laughs> and then, and then it just ballooned into a story. um, Unkindly Girls was, I mean, I. It's not subject matter that I often approach. Um, in fact, I kind of, I, I don't really care to. But this, in this particular instance, this was the story that was speaking to me, and so I. It's weird because I think probably more people have read that than a lot of my other short stories, and I'm like, I hope they're not thinking that that's the kind of thing they're always going to be seeing. I, I typically like my monsters and, uh, and weird. Weird shit and um not usually about a, a parental figure of that nature. Um as far as being prolific goes, though, I I I know it's kind of like been a thing that gets bandied about. It's like, well, you don't have to write every day. It's like, of course you don't. Everyone should follow their own process. Everyone's process works differently. I was talking to a friend last week. She had kind of realized that she she works in bursts. That's how she is. she she works in a burst. And then she goes into kind of a uh, a, a low, uh, you know, a, a lower period where she just like she's resting. And then she does another verse. I'm a write every day kind of person. I am. I I love writing. I, I I write I write stories just for fun a lot of the time. Like people will never see them. They just they go immediately in the trunk. They don't even get get uh, sent out. They're just for me to play with an idea or figure something out or. Just test something or just or just have fun because I think, I think writing is fun. Um, so, yeah, I usually write at least a couple hours, unless it's a rough day or, or I shouldn't say rough day. If suddenly there's a lot of things I have to do in the morning, I, I can't do it. But I usually write for a couple hours each day. Um, and that can be that doesn't even necessarily have to be like I'm sitting there writing new material. It can be editing, revising like all those things are part of writing. So I, I, you know, I consider them writing and that's all stuff that's, you know, gearing your brain to uh, treat this as important. And, and I read a lot too. And honestly, I think that's one of the biggest, most helpful things for me. I, I, I've seen some writers say, I don't have time to read It's Like you don't have time to write. Um, Like I try to read at least a book a week. Um, I can't always make it, but I do, I do read short stories and stuff. And really just your brain, your brain is affected by how you treat it, and if I'm treating it to books, then I, I feel it's getting stronger.
0: That's a great point. Uh, yeah, that, that is that is something that I'm actually very much so uh, looking towards with my kid. I want to I want him to read anything. I don't care. Hope it's hard but I don't care. Um, now, are you a type of writer that will only write at a certain time, or it, it must be at, say, your writing desk, or are you really just kind of—I I don't believe you answered this, so forgive me if—um, um, uh, sorry, go ahead. I'm
2: interrupting you.
0: Oh, no problem. Uh, or are you just kind of, uh, you know, if it's gonna be at the living room? On the living room couch or wherever. Uh, how are you when it comes to that?
2: Um, let's see. Well, I'm definitely a routine-oriented writer. I um, I like to. I, I mornings are my are my most awake point. I'll I'll be up at 4:30 and just kind of hop on the computer and get started. Um. Oh
0: wow.
2: 4:30. It's, it's it's been later. So it's yeah, I I I've gotten up and I'm like, Cassie, why is she still posting things on Instagram? I know, I haven't gone to bed yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and because that's like 1:30 your time. Yeah, it's so late. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm usually up. I mean, it's been later lately for whatever reason. I'm sure that's gonna get messed up by daylight savings in a couple of days. Um, but yeah, I'm usually up and at my desk and just getting started on whatever I have to do that day, whether it's, you know, start writing a new draft or writing a second draft or revising stuff. Um, as far as like writing otherwise, there have been times where I've had to, because something strikes, I just jump in there. Those are pretty rare, but I will hop on in an afternoon or evening. If um, if it's, if, if, it, if the, I kind of just follow what my brain tells me to do. Um, if if, if <laughs> yeah. the story necessitates, but that's very rare. That's like once in a month that that would happen. Um, usually, what's more common for me is that, you know, if I'm if I'm hanging out with Jay um, over on the couch or whatever, I'll have my notebook next to me. So if something occurs to me, I can jot it down. And a lot of that stuff's gonna be trash. A lot of it's just gonna sit in a folder on my or a file on my computer and never get used. But you don't know that until later.
0: That, and a that's lot of exactly. times
2: a single a single line of dialogue has created an entire story or a new character for a book or something. Um you just it's that it's best to keep it because you never know.
0: Yeah, yes, I love that. I too carry many notebooks because it's true. It's like a filter, you know, like what's the worst that'll happen? It'll just stay there. No one will see it. But the best that will happen is, like you just said, it will be the seed to a giant tree of a story.
2: John Langan had uh, a really good approach to that. He was saying that if you, if you teach your brain to reject ideas, then it's eventually going to stop bringing them to you. Hmm. So it, so it's better to just treat each of those things as a possibility.
0: Yeah. That's that's very good advice. Uh, Brenner or Cassie, do you do either one of you do anything like that similar as far as notebooks go?
1: I have um I just have like a Google Docs file where I write down like a bunch of random stuff that like that I think is a good idea. Um and a lot of the time, honestly, I'll just kinda yell stuff at Rich and like so he'll, and I do it in this way too, so he never knows he never knows if I'm being serious or if I'm like talking about a a tragic incident in my past or something. So like, I'll just start and I'll be like, what, what about this one time that this happened? And he's like, did that really happen to you? And I'm like, no, like, I still have my arm or, you know, whatever horrible thing happened in the story. I'm like, that's definitely not me. Like, and he's like, that, that sounded surreal. And I'm like, okay, would that be a good story though? And he's, so he'll tell me like, yes or no. And he's also really helpful with, he'll tell me if it's stupid, like not, he won't be rude, but he'll be like, I don't really think you're you're paying attention to this huge hole here, and I'm like, oh God, you're right. I'm not. I missed that. So he's kind of my notepad for that. Um, but I do like Haley says. I just spit all of my ideas, like no matter how small or anything. I'm like, what about this? Have you ever heard of this? Is this a thing?
0: <laughs> you know what's great is like when I'm driving with my wife. Um, I I just I she knows when I'm about to like get an idea because i'm just i just gotta guess this look on me so i'm like hey here here's my phone type that like jot this down thank god she like is totally cool with me being a heart like mainly a heart writer because uh i don't know like the shit that all of us think about it's not it's not normal <laughs> but we write it down for for fun i mean normal subjective but uh mm-hmm. I don't know. You have to have a good support system too. Um, and it sounds like Jay's like great. Um, and if you don't want to answer this, this, is fine. I only got one question about her. Is she your uh, first reader?
2: Um, there was a time when we did things that way, but I kind of, I wow. kind of realized that when I, I would only really ask her to read something if I had concerns about it. And so, once I kind of realized that I really I, I it kind of was just like, well, if I need her to read this, then it's not right yet, so I don't really need to make her read this. I just know that I need to fix it. Um, with the Womonist Kings probably the last thing she read. Um, I've read stuff I, she has read or I should say last thing she has read that hadn't already been accepted for publication. Um, she has after after something's been accepted for publication, she will then read it sometimes. But I really don't. Um, we don't really do that as much anymore because I kind of just realized that needing to ask her is, is a warning system that I know I know I need to do more with this. Um, so I I I'd, I'd run ideas past her, but honestly, that's really just to kind of see what she thinks about it. Is less because whether I'm going to do it or not.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Brennan, uh kind of skipped past you, man. So do you have an answer?
3: <laughs> no, I was just thinking that you're lucky to have uh, Tara to transcribe for you into yeah, your that's phone. A lot. I, yeah, it's it's nice, and I bet she does a really good job. I mean, I do the same thing. I use my notes app on my phone, but I always make the same terrible mistake of trusting myself to interpret what I meant later. and yes. it's
2: oh, I hate that.
3: Yeah. And then oh. I look at it later. I'm like, what? what on earth could I possibly have meant by this? This is. I do that so much. I have one on
1: my phone literally right now that just says mate treks, like Star Trek, (laughs) but mate treks. And I do not know, like, what was I thinking? There's nothing else. There's no other information. Like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Is that something I saw on the internet? Or is that a story idea? Who knows?
2: It's a surprise. (laughs) And that's, and that's one of those things that I've try to get better at with note taking it ends up translating sometimes into the stories itself because i'll have written something down and i've written a dialogue line down but i won't have written the tone and so i'll come back to it. it's like wait does that mean this or this and i realize like <laughs> i need to take notes that indicate what i meant
0: <laughs> what what's some the- most important element for maybe there isn't one but do you have an important element that you mostly focus on like there's some writers that it's all about atmosphere first some are characters
2: it's different for every story i would say um different some honestly sometimes some stories start because uh you know character a says this and character b responded like this um, another story will be because, like, I want to write somebody with this fatal flaw. Another time will be because, like, I have an imaginative idea. It's it's any story can have a different level of importance for, for a particular element of it.
1: Is there a specific thing that you struggle with when writing? Like, is there something that you're aware of, like, one of your, I don't know what it's called, but something that you know that you do that you should not do, maybe, that you have to, like, edit out or something every time?
2: Um. I probably would say in the past there have been, but as, you know, as we grow as writers, I think that we, we both learn to overcome those things. Um, if, if I've been very lucky to work with so many editors. And so when your stuff is getting edited regularly, when you seen like, okay, this comes up in, this is coming up, you know, blank is coming up in multiple short stories. Like, uh, okay. I know one. Um, I uh, have been kind of clipping words sometimes here and there at the end sentences, not in the sense of like it was missing, but just because like, um, like character A went this way and character B uh, followed behind. That would be the end of the sentence. And a lot of editors were adding like behind her afterwards. It's like, okay, I need to stop clipping it there and just make it clear with the pronoun because this is an issue. Um, just little things like that. So you add that over time and over lots of stories. And it's just like you get a feel for what your weaknesses are. So you grow both, you grow out of those and you probably develop new ones. So I'm sure there are things I do right now that I'm not aware of, but I do know about the things I used to do that I don't do anymore. Um, like filler actions, like, you know, character nods, like have that happening too many times. Um, you know, you want to have each of those little things matter. So like, okay, I know not to, not to fall to that so much, but you know, as far as like what's current, not really.
1: I like that. I think it's, so it's like, um, kind of like an educational thing too. So each one and each time you get feedback back from somebody, you're learning a little bit more and it's making you a little bit stronger as a writer so that you can bring those lessons to the next. And that's,
2: and that's one of the more fortunate parts about having, uh, like so many short stories in publication is just that I, because of all those different editors, it's been a lot of different input and over a short period of time. So I've had, I've had that benefit for sure.
3: Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, as a newer writer, I, um, I enjoy patting myself on the back when I, you know, can recognize something that I've uh, had picked out, you know, like you mentioned clipping sentences. Um, but, you know, an instance of passive voice, an instance of using the word then for the 343rd time in a five page <laughs> story, um, when I when I can kind of look over my own work and be like, oh, 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 man, you are better than that. Um, and then taking it out and just realizing that I'm not I'm not there yet, but I'm growing. Um, and, you know, like you said, and, and you certainly have, you know, a lot more experience. Uh, than I do. But like you said, it's I'm sure there are things that I'm doing right now. um, But as far as, you know, fatal flaws, that that amount of submission, the amount of work you've done and the amount of feedback you've gotten on them has really helped you just become a better writer. And that really goes back to that whole idea of collecting rejections. If you're not working towards that and constantly, you know, writing new stuff and bettering yourself, then you don't end up with that sense of um, I'm growing is how you put well, it and I love that.
2: I think I, and I think the hope not just as writers but as people is that our, our journey of learning and growing you know never stops.
3: No, one of my favorite and I've, I probably have told this before on the air, but one of my favorite music quotes is um, a classical cellist by the name of Pablo Casal turned 84 you know maybe five six years ago and they interviewed him and they said you know what's it like you're you're 84 you've been playing cello for like uh 70 years or something like that and he said i think i'm starting to get the hang of this thing <laughs> um and it's that that's that's what it is you can apply it to music you can apply it to writing or you can just apply it to being a human being
2: Absolutely.
3: um yeah Oh, sorry, that was a Patrick segue. Um, <laughs> actually, there was another story I wanted to ask you about. Um, I had the privilege to read an early copy of uh, We Are Wolves, featuring a story by you, uh, by Miss Cassie, and by a bunch of other
2: just wonderful
3: authors. Oh, and I can't
2: wait to see the whole thing. It's <laughs> uh,
3: the, the one I read uh, didn't have everybody's in it, but the overall product... Um, I think it was just shy of 200 pages, and it was, it's fantastic. I mean, I'll tell you right now, we're close enough to uh, December for me to say that's going to be one of my top collections of the year. It's really, really special. And the uh, introduction that Gemma put in there, oh my gosh. Um, I, I can't wait for everybody to read it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, So anybody who, who listens to us regularly is probably already getting sick of me asking this, but I was really intrigued by... Uh, The fact that your story, The Curse of She Part Six, The Final Girlfriend, which is a hell of a title, by the way, um, (laughs) is in second person. Um, And I I wanted to know, is that something that you've worked with a lot or is it something you were kind of experimenting with for this?
2: Um, It's definitely been something I've done uh, more recently, more often. When my um, collection Unfortunate Elements of My Anatomy comes out next year, there are three three second-person stories in that. Um, And I I worried, okay, it's three out of 18 stories. Is that too much? But then I kind of just kept writing them um, because there are stories that I really feel they can't work another way. I I definitely think there's occasions where it's kind of a little gratuitous, but like a lot of the time, the ones I see are just like, no, you couldn't do that in first person. You couldn't have done that in third person. It had to do it this way. Um, so it's to answer the question, I guess, um, it's one of those things where I'm just like, yeah, I, I've, I've been doing it. I've done enough of them that I felt confident doing something as, as strange as that one. Mm-hmm. And I've done a couple since then as well. I uh, the one my story for uh, Twisted Anatomy is also a uh, second person. And uh, that's
0: the uh, anthology um, with and put together yeah, by and like George, right? Yes,
2: that's my one. Yeah, my um, mine's done. Well, I don't know if I'm supposed to say they have they have an interesting way they want to handle that. Um, it's done in certain advice column type of uh way so it's like you can't really do something like that without it being second person
0: Hmm. that's a smart idea yeah we um yeah fuck it i'll say we we talked to alone we're gonna have her on next year we can't wait (laughs) i mean like the the anthologies that is just all females it's amazing like there's i love this i love being able to read all these books because they kick ass, and not Brennan will say it often. Uh, I'll say I'll, I'll echo it. It's um it's true that there's so many amazing female authors that are quite frankly better than guys, and it's it's enjoyable. I love it. I want to see who's gonna continue with uh, certain subgenres. Uh, who who may end up getting movie deals? Because you know, eventually, quite a few of you are. I mean, it's there's too many good stories.
2: A <laughs> lot we'll to see.
0: Yeah, I know that's a, that's a huge thing. But um, <laughs> so let's go to unless either one of you have anything else, I would like to ask Haley what she is currently reading. Go for it, Haley. What are you currently reading? <laughs> well,
2: like I said, I just finished *Mongrels* by Stephen Graham Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, I'm in the middle of uh. Children of the Fang by John Langan, his recent uh, short story Mm. collection. I'm reading Places We Fear to Tread um, that came out from Cemetery Gates Media, um, which I have a a story in, but I wanted to read everybody else's stories. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Reading uh, poetry collection, let's see, Woman by Ash Watson. And uh, there's something else. I was about to start Isola. Which is a graphic novel, or I should say trade paperback by uh, Brennan Fletcher and oh, okay. uh, Carl Kersch. Kir- I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And then no. I'm going to be starting listening to the audiobook for uh, *Wonderland* by. Um, I'm gonna mess up the name. I think. Uh, so-, so, just I'm not sure how to pronounce. Pronounced? Okay, I don't like <laughs> messing up people's names. Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, am going to that next um, week. That's, that me... oh, that's all right. That sounds like a neat, uh, diverse list right there. How about uh, you, Cassie?
1: Um, Are we reading Halloween Season by Lucy A. Snyder? Nice. Um, yeah, Rawdog Screaming Press sent me a copy of it. So I want I've been saving it because I got it actually like a month and a half ago, but I wanted to read it right before Halloween because Ugh. of what it is. So um yeah, I'm reading that and then I'm also reading Worst Laid Plans and Places We Fear to Tread also. Um and I actually because I knew we were doing this, I started both of those with Haley's stories so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And they're both good so far. So I'm excited to keep reading them. Aww. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you guys?
3: Brendan. Um yeah, real quick, Haley, I, I I would like to add in I'm psyched to uh, speak to another reader who apparently needs to have like 10 books going at once. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be. Uh, no,
2: I'm not. I'm not trying to talk <laughs> about it. It's, it's,
3: yeah, yeah, that's um, just something you have to say. I, I yeah. also am trying, but I'm not really. <laughs> I just
2: I just. I um I really try not to read too many short story collections and anthologies at the same time because it gives me anxiety, but I do want to like read a novel novel or novella at the same time, read a poetry collection at the same time, have an audiobook at the same time, have a graphic novel, so it's just like as long as they're different from each other, I'm good
3: that's perfect yeah i I like to same thing. I like to have you know a collection going um because I feel like if I, you know, need to read something because we're talking to somebody, I can put a collection aside or skip around if I absolutely need yeah. to, uh, without losing the thread. Um, but uh, I am reading, and uh, by reading I mean started like two hours ago. Uh, Zero Saints by Gabino Iglesias. Um, it's so far so good. I just finished Coyote Songs. Um, oh my gosh, I think yesterday, uh, and that was one of. Uh, cassie's you need to read this now books and i'm i can see why um (laughs) i loved that book i really really loved it easy easy five stars um and you know zero saints has that same kind of um well it's it's his voice so i'm really excited to see where that goes as well how about you pat uh
0: yeah i'm just reading gabino's two books to prep for his episode next week uh coyote songs and zero saints he uh he just starts off the bat like, "All right, we're gonna start with a uh, kick in the head to this guy." Uh, he gets thrown in a trunk. I'm not really spoiling it because it's on like the first page, but it's it's awesome. The way he describes things too is just it's. I don't know. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's different. It's neat. It's uh very action packed. Um, okay, another <laughs> aw- awkward segue. Guess we're ink heist today. <laughs> No, I
1: just wanted to to do just a small call out that we have seven minutes before Haley has to go, I think. Go ahead. So wait for pacing. I just wanted to let us (laughs) know so we can end on time. (laughs) Go ahead. I didn't have a question. That was it. That was just me giving you guys a warning time. (laughs) (laughs) I was just telling you guys seven minutes to go. Chop, chop. (laughs) Let's
0: go. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) any final thoughts or questions to Haley, uh, Cass, or Brennan?
3: I, I have a quick one. You mentioned that you have a book with uh, Rooster Republic coming out next year. Now, I, d- I don't know if you can even tell us anything about it, because I don't believe the title's even been out- announced yet.
2: Um, they're waiting on that. We're we're kind of, like, doing each little bit in pieces. Um, mm-hmm. I've got two books coming out next year. Um, my first short story collection will be coming out from the Seventh Terrace. It's called Unfortunate Elements, My Anatomy, and that'll be out in spring. And then yeah, the book with Brewster Public is my body horror novel. They're they're doing things very like we're we're not announcing the title yet. Um, we're gonna then announce I guess they're gonna do that and then kind of just do everything in stages. Um, it is mentioned briefly on um, an interview with uh, Nightworms where it's um it's it just just like a log line, essentially. A woman finds uh, growth. Inside her, and um, and there are people who think that they should have some say about that. So, hmm. uh, the very blandest and most boring way of describing uh, <laughs> the book. But um, I, yeah, I'm not really sure what I should be saying at the moment. So just that it's a body horror novel. It's that's the subgenre I'm jumping to with that one. The um, the publisher described it as Cronenbergian um which is you know that's an adjective we're using now so (laughs) I'm happy happy to roll with it I think that when you say that and it's horror fans they know what you're talking about yeah Yes. absolutely
1: so I I just want to confirm then I don't know if you leaked this on purpose or if this was already explicitly stated but it's a novel then so not a novella like it's a full link
2: it will be my first novel I'm so I should be making a bigger deal out of that it's my first novel that is a big deal yeah (laughs) cue the balloons (laughs) (laughs) and is
0: the editor sarah tantliger am i saying that last name correctly does anyone know
2: i believe so um no she is not she um she was the editor for not all monsters which was an all uh women um anthology that came out this year um the i believe um i believe nicholas day will be editing
0: oh that's awesome that's yep. a huge deal. It's your debut novel, and you got a you got a readership,
3: so that's not, exciting. Not only that, but um, how exciting is it that they're putting out a hardcover version of it? I'm excited, and I'm not even you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm very I'm very excited. Especially, it's been it's been fun seeing the releases this year with um the novel monsters anthology with um Sarah Tantlinger's new poetry collection. Um And I'm looking forward to K.P. Kulski's uh, debut novel, Ferris Flesh.
1: I've heard good things about that one from the people who have gotten like early copies.
2: Yeah, it's Sarah. I know Sarah got to read it. She's been.
1: Um, I think hers review is the one I saw. Yeah.
2: Yeah, she's been raving about it slash bragging about it enough that I'm like, I want to read it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to that I've, I've got the other ones that she said yeah it's it's very exciting I'm I'm very happy to be working with um Rooster Public's you know slash Strange House Books um it's going to be 2021 is going to be exciting and I've got, I've got more short stories coming out um yeah it's it'll be busy
3: I was going to say 2020 was exciting uh, if you're a Haley Piper fan. And, you know, it already sounds like 2021 is shaping up and it's still two months away if we, you know, survive that long. Um, So, you know, I want to remind everybody that The Worm and His Kings is out on November 15th through Off Limits Press, which is going to be about two weeks uh, by the time that you are hearing this. Um, There's a ton of great stuff coming out next year and uh i hope that uh when you have uh a release date on that novel uh, i hope you'll come back and talk to us again we'd love to have you yeah,
2: that'd be awesome
3: yeah absolutely in the meantime where can people follow you
2: um i am i have my website www.hayleypiper.com um but you'll get more frequent updates uh on twitter with Haley piper says Um People want to go to my Insta, which is much more uh, manic or or disorganized, I should say. Uh, It's Haley Piper Fights.
3: Excellent. Haley, thank you again for uh, joining us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Thank you so much
2: for having me.
3: Of course. Yeah. Anytime. Literally anytime. Just let us know and we'll have you on. We'll make time (laughs) for you. Cassie, thank you so much for joining us. It is absolutely always a pleasure to have you on.
1: Thank you for having me. It was fun.
3: And Pat, thank you for being a lovely co-host. <laughs> and, and thank you for not uh, reading the last like three pages of Haley's book. I was afraid you were going there. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like live on air. I yeah, was, uh, it. But what if I just read the last three pages?
0: Yes, I apologize, Haley. I'm a bumbling dumbass. It's, oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> <I'm> fine.
1: <laughs> Can we keep that in the episode? Don't edit oh. that. Oh, hell yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, Haley, it's been a pleasure. We we love your books. You're a real delight to talk to. So, yeah, seriously, anytime. I know I'm repeating Brennan, but, uh, you yeah, know, bumbling dumbass over here. <laughs> that is,
2: no. he's gonna make that, Brennan's going to make that his ringtone or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Close us <this> up, Cassie.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: wait, wait, is there a specific closing that I'm supposed no, to No,
3: just say bye.
1: Oh, bye, everybody.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Woo! <laughs> all right. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you, Haley. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now meeting.